Welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. I'm Wes Avram, the director of the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life. This is the Out of the Park podcast series from the Fran Park Center in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, we are in, in the middle of three weeks of remembering a webinar that we did with Dr. Miroslav Wolf, a professor of theology at Yale Divinity School and director of the Center for Faith and Culture on Faith and Common Life. Uh, we did it during the height of the pandemic. We're pulling it out now into three podcasts. Today is part two. Now, uh, I've, I've sketched a, a vision of home. Primarily, it was about uh, kind of nuclear home, but by extension, it was but something larger than then than that, a common space of our belonging, and in that sense, uh, the common good that we need to uh, further invest in uh, and um, to which we belong. But many things are endangering this sense of common belonging and sense of home. And I want to name only some of of them. Uh, Some forces, you may say, that are unhoming our world, undermine our efforts to cultivate even our small-scale homes, often making it even impossible for people to have a home, like the person with a shopping cart and a place for a mat under a bridge that I mentioned earlier. So I will mention only briefly two such forces that are kind of specific to our modern world um, and these kinds of forces reinforce our alienation from um, material spaces uh, and they kind of signal the loss of sense of common home. And sociologists identify these forces under the designation escalation and reification. I'll explain those words. Things Escalation means they're getting faster and expanding, uh, f- faster and faster. And reification, some people have used the word thingification, that things are not so much a living things for us with which we resonate, but they become dead things and they don't speak to us at all. Now, in his various and learned writings, Hartmut Rosa, who is a German sociologist, has argued that to survive in modern societies, you have to live the way you ride a bicycle. You have to keep moving. The moment you stop, you fall. It's not just moving at the pace that suits you, though, which is what you do when you ride a bicycle. To live in modern societies, and that's the main point he wants to make, you have to move faster and faster. And this needing to move faster and faster and reach further and further is what he calls dynamic of escalation. Now, this modern escalation has two basic forms, and each makes it difficult to create and have the kinds of resonance, attachment, neutrality that is needed for a sense of common home. The first one I've already noted, which is acceleration of the pace of technological change and life more generally. The result is that we, of course, never have enough time. 
This is this is what perhaps this is uh, this is what Rosa writes. This is what perhaps characterizes the everyday predicament of the overwhelming majority of people in Western societies most aptly. Amidst monetary and technological affluence, they are close to temporal insolvency. We need more time to do our work properly. We need more time to improve our skills and knowledge. We need more time to renew our hard and software. We need more time to care for our kids and the elder and elderly parents. More time for our friends and relatives, for our house, our flat, or our body. Finally, we need more time to come to terms with ourselves, our minds, our souls, our psyche. Never enough time. Which is short for who I am, what I do, and what I have is never good enough. Which in turn means there is no time when I feel at home. And therefore no place where I am at home. Now that's this acceleration, no time. This acceleration of pace of life, he argues, goes hand in hand with the expansion of our of the sphere of our engagement, which is the second form of escalation. Nowadays, few of us live our lives with a steady focus on social and material space that is our home. There's a joke uh, uh, which I first heard about my globe-trotting brother-in-law, and the students, he was a professor as well, and students were, were asking the question, what's the difference with, with, between Peter, which was his name, and God? And the response was, God is everywhere, but Peter is everywhere except here. <laughs> right? So, so kind of sense of you are stretched out, dispersed into wider world, and you're everywhere, so to speak, except there where you need to be. And a child may be complaining about their globe-trotting parent uh, uh, in the same kind of way. Um, and yet at the same time, in sitting in the living room, you'll find that same, uh, that same child looking at his iPhone and then being also everywhere except uh, here. And this is the kind of pull of the expanded reach on both parents and children, which makes a sense of home elusive. Home needs time. Home needs presence. But the logic of escalation, both in its acceleratory and expansive forms, it makes it difficult, makes it difficult to have time and to be present. Now to the second feature of modern world that unhomes, makes it difficult for us to have these common homes, and that's reification or thingification, where things become merely things and nothing else. Sciences are a major way in which we have today, which we today cognitively relate to the world. But in sciences, all entities, everything appear as things as part of the web of causal relations. As Bruno Latour has noted recently, the sciences grasps all things from afar 
as if they were external to the social world and completely indifferent to human concerns. Modern technology does the same. Now, there's a saying which goes, to a person with a hammer, all things look like a nail. To a person with a tool, all things look like manipulable objects. Modern medicine is a case in point. It often treats human bodies as things to be manipulated into wholeness. In a word, science and technology thingify everything they touch, which is the very definition, of course, of reification. Now, similar kinds of things, similar forms of reification occur in other domains of modern life. For instance, modern economics, and I'll just give that one example, the market has a tendency to turn everything into commodity, to turn everything into goods that can be bought and sold, so that there's nothing that's not for sale, that's kind of sacred, to which I have such an attachment that is an unsellable thing. But everything has its own monetary value and therefore becomes in that a thing. For the market, even human persons are not sacred, but become mere object in the calculus of values. You can observe similar uh, reification in politics as well. Now, the point is not that, that I wish to make is not that modern science and technology, not that modern markets and politics are uniformly bad that we ought to simply dispense with them. Uh, in their own way, I think they do shelter us from exposure to forces that may crush us and thus provide something what homes are designed to do. The point is rather that these powerful ways of relating cognitively and practically to the world, they reduce the world to manipulable things. Relating to world with their help, we stand before mute universe of mere things. It's difficult to resonate with such a universe, and it's difficult to hard to get attached to it. It's difficult to have common investments in it. So that modern science, technology, and politics cast a spell on the world and all living things, humans included, that makes them appear and feel like extended matter. Things which we use, but we have hard time loving or even really seeing for what they are. I don't know whether some of you know uh, Canadian poet Tim Lilburn. Uh, he has written quite a bit of the kind of experience of, uh, of nature and his poetry has expressed it. And he puts it rather starkly, but I think it's really correct. He writes, you cannot really see this particular stone. And he's thinking of the uh, stone up in, in, in Canada's, prairie, Canada's prairies. You cannot really see this stone if you believe the world is yours to do with it as you will. Because you cannot respect it for what, what it is. You always already have taken it into calculus of your own utility. To turn reality into a world of things is to unhome not just the world, but any home we may think that we can build in it. Now, many have argued that precisely this kind of reification is one of the main causes of current destruction of the environment. When plants and animals become mere things, we do with them, with what, whatever we please. 
And whatever we do with them, we have to do more of it and we have to do it faster, as you've seen earlier. No wonder that the Earth reacts to our lack of respect with rage in the form of extreme weather phenomena. For instance, Texas is a very good example, most, most recent example. And since nobody can feel at home on a raging sea or frigid uh, winds, our inability to feel at home in the world is further diminished. Now, uh, some of us have a have opportunity to escape that world. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of of some of the more extreme forms of transhumanism. Uh, they don't uh, they're not concerned about uh, Earth as a common home. They think of human survival in knowledge and data detached from any carbon based life. They've given up on Earth as a common home. Some of the super rich uh, have done the same thing in a slightly different uh, way. They dream of what one man can describe almost like a secular rapture, departure from this overpopulated, ecologically devastated, war-plagued Earth and settlement and this is this is uh, the, those those are the that's the imagination and settlement in peaceful colonies in space with weather all year round like maui on its best day for the rest of us by far most convenient form of escape is to pretend that things are simply normal going on with our struggles and pleasures as if we didn't live on the niagara river to use the image that Kay Ryan employed in the poem by the same name. It's a very striking poem. I'll, I hope I can do justice to it by, by reading. It's a beautiful poem. As though the river were a floor, we position our table and chairs upon it, eat and have conversation. As it moves along, we notice as calmly as though dining room paintings were being replaced, the changing scenes all along the shore. We know, we do know, this is the Niagara River, but it is hard to remember what that means. Now, if you hear, and that's a quote from the poem, a distant roar, and if home matters to you, I hope, that you would want to resist the unhoming of the world. Now, that brings me to kind of two alternatives, unhomed world and world understood as a home. And I think that if we want to resist the unhoming of the world, we need resources, above all, guiding visions of home as a social and material site of wholeness and of flourishing. We're going to finish part two right there and look forward to part three of this series next week. Tune in to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life Out of the Park podcast series from Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.franparkcenter.org. 